Some time ago, I read a story that really made me wince. And it's apparently a true story that came from an African tribe where they have a very unusual custom. And it is for them to elect a king, but that king can only serve for seven-year term. At the end of the seven-year term, that king must be killed. I thought, you know, who can be foolish enough to do a job for seven years so that can be killed? They said there's overabundance of candidates who are vying for the position. Now just think about this. For seven years, he is in absolute control. He has total power. He can do anything except for one thing, and that is he cannot change the custom of the killing of the sitting king after seven years. That's the one thing he cannot do. Anything else during those seven years, he is in absolute power. He's sovereign. And yet, so many candidates would rather live with power and in overindulgence for seven years than a good long life, normal job. Then I thought of our Western culture. How many people in our culture to whom the present is everything? <laughs> they live for today. They live for this day. They're living for the now with no thought of the future. They live for the present experiences, and they let those present power trump everything else in life. To exercise power even for a day. Someone said that uh, power is a drug on which many politicians are hooked. They actually buy it from the voters using the voters' own money to buy it. <laughs> Personally, I prefer what William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, said about power. Here's what he said. Listen carefully. He said, the greatness of anyone's power is the measure of his surrender. Margaret Thatcher, the great British politician, said, being powerful is like being a lady. <laughs> if you have to tell people that you are, then you're not. <laughs> She was very succinct. We have been going through a series on the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness, and I'm calling this series, You Can Win Like Jesus. All three temptations, they basically codify and classify all temptations that are known to mankind. No temptation that you and me experience or face or ever will face that does not come under one of those three categories, pleasure, popularity, and power. I just decided to put them that way so you can remember them. The Bible doesn't say that. Every time you and I attempted, regardless of the subcategory of temptation, you take it all the way back, and it goes to one of those three categories. Question, why did Jesus think it important to tell this personal experience that he and he alone experienced to the gospel writers. The Bible said, Hebrews epistle, that Jesus, God the Son, the divine Son of God, the very God who became very man, is tempted in every way like us, but without sin. What does it mean to you, and what does it mean to me? It means that there is no temptation that you have faced in the past, facing now, will ever face, 
that Jesus had not faced. That's what it means. The epistle to the Hebrews, that same verse goes on to say, the reason he was tempted in every way like us but without sin is that he may sympathize with our weaknesses. What do you say? I mean, very sympathetic. You pat you on the back, keep going, doing your best. No, that's not what it means. It means that none of us can ever look up to heaven and say, God, you don't know what I'm going through. God, you don't feel what I feel. God, you do not experience what I'm experiencing. God, you don't understand my pain. God, you don't understand my circumstances. God, you don't understand. Jesus immediately will respond and say to you, I have been through things far worse than you will ever, ever, ever dream of being through. And I won. And with my power, you can too. So do you feel rejected by someone? Jesus got rejected by everyone, including those who are near and dear to Him. Are you experiencing injustice, unfairness? Just think about how crooked politicians and crooked church leaders conspired together and falsely accused Him and sent Him to the cross. Are you experiencing temptation to engage in selfish pleasures? Listen, He has been through it all. And He wants to strengthen us to win over those temptations just like He did. Someone asked me the other day, said, why did Jesus even go to the wilderness? Why did He even allow… I mean, He could have said, Satan, don't get anywhere near. And I mean, Satan couldn't have talked to Him if He didn't want Him. Well, two reasons. Number one, the Lord Jesus wants to demonstrate to us His power over Satan. And secondly, he wants to tell us, for everyone who believes in Jesus, that if you walk in his shadow, if you live under his wings, you too can have the strength to defeat the enemy and win like Jesus. Now you can turn with me after this very brief introduction to Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 to 11. Finally, Satan overtips his hand. Let me tell you something. When you resist the devil, the Bible said he'll flee from you. But as you're resisting the devil, and you resist him, and you resist him, he comes to the end, and he overtips his hand. And you can see through it, and he, he in a sense, comes clean as to his ultimate purpose, and that is your destruction and destruction of everything you touch. That's his purpose. But he plays the games first. He doesn't come across as telling you, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm after you. I want to destroy you. No, no, no. He'll come in and he tempt you in a variety of ways. He played these games with Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you're feeling hungry. Why don't you feed yourself? I mean, it's like very subtle. I'm offering you popularity, instant popularity. You don't have to wait for it. And when neither of these worked, <laughs> he finally goes for the jugular. He goes for what exactly he wanted all along, and that is to have Jesus bow to him and worship him. First, he tried to get Jesus to do something for himself. It didn't work. So then he tried to get Jesus to force the hand of the Father for the Father to do something for Jesus. When that did not work, he said, now Satan is offering to do something for Jesus. Oh, run a mile when Satan tried to do you a favor, okay? Be on your guard when Satan tells you that he has a big deal for you. He has a deal for you. 
<laughs> when tempting Jesus to disobedience and distrust the Father didn't work, when tempting Jesus to force the Father's hand and presume on the grace of God did not work, now it's an all-out war. He goes for wanting to corrupt Jesus, and that's how it happened. Somehow supernaturally, you know, when the Hebrew language says they stood up on a high mountain, somehow supernaturally they were high above the planet Earth. And they looked down at planet Earth with all of its gold mines, with all of its diamond mines, with all of its oil and gas, and, and with all the wealth and the power and the splendor of the Earth. And he says, all of this is yours. You can have it. And you can have it now. Oh, the price is so small. I'm not asking you for much, Jesus. <laughs> but you have to say, wait a minute. Didn't 40 days early in the River Jordan when Jesus got baptized? Just 40 days early. The Father spoken through the Holy Spirit and says, This is my beloved Son. Means this is the heir apparent. He is the one who's going to inherit the whole universe, not just planet Earth. You may ask, well, if Satan knew this, if he knew that this is Jesus's anyway, that he is the one who's going to get it all, what is he doing here? Why is he doing this? He was saying to Jesus, why do you have to wait to what is rightfully yours? Baby, you deserve it, and you deserve it now, right? <laughs> why go to the cross when you can have it all now? Why go through the humiliation of the cross when you can have it all now? Why sacrifice so much when you can get it all now? Why give up your life when you can have it all now? Why, 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 when you can get it all now? Why, Jesus? Listen, if you get nothing out of this message except for one word, it is this, now. Can you say that with me? Yes. Satan knew that it all belongs to Jesus <laughs> and that Jesus is going to get the deeds for planet Earth, which Adam lost to Satan. Ah, but not now. Not at that very moment of history. Not at this moment of the life of Jesus. Not before the cross. <laughs> not before redeeming mankind. Not now before perfect obedience to the Father. Not now before Passion Week. Not now before the shedding of His blood on Calvary. As if Satan is saying to Jesus, you paid enough price when you left the splendor of heaven and born as an embryo in a virgin's womb. You have paid enough of a price when you lived in that stinking town of Nazareth with your stinking neighbors of yours. You have paid enough price by growing up 30 years in the, in the worst conditions that any man can submit to. You've paid enough price. That's enough. I'm not offering you anything. It's not already yours. I'm not offering you anything that the Father hasn't already promised you. Ah, all you need to do, just do a little bow for me. Just do a bow. And it's going to be our secret. Nobody else is going to know about it. Just between you and me, Jesus. 
Oh, be very careful. It says it's your secret. The Bible said, be careful, your sins will find you out. (laughs) Furthermore, didn't your father already promise in Psalm 2, 8? He said, ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. Isn't that a promise for you? Sure. What God the Father offered God the Son, Jesus, sovereign kingship over the universe. Ah, but he offered it as a result of righteous obedience. Are you with me? But now Satan is offering it for unrighteous disobedience. You know, and I know, that Satan is offering you and me all sorts of deals all day long. They come through one of his minions. They come through other people. They come through deals coming up our way all the time, all the time, every day. Take a couple who has been dating, and they know they're going to get married. The devil comes in and said, why wait? Consummate the marriage now. Why wait? Take a person who wants to be faithful steward, but doesn't seem to be making headway. And Satan will come in and say, look, you've got so many needs. You've got so many things you need to do now. There's so many things you want to do in your life. There's so many programs in your life, so many things that you need to accomplish now. Giving to God is going to set you back. <laughs> Being a generous giver to the work of God is going to mean that you're going to have less money now. Why wait for the God to fulfill His promise to you somehow in the by and by, when you can spend it now. Do it now. Get it now. Grab it now. Exercise your power now. Hmm. You don't have to wait till tomorrow, for you don't know what tomorrow brings. Let me tell you something. If you faithful child of the living God, I can tell you what tomorrow will bring. It will bring a blessing. Because you have the promise of God on it. You may go through tough times. You may go through valleys. You may go through difficulties, but in the end, you will be blessed. God's promise. Try to imagine the devil coming at you with the voice of a nice person, or at least a person who pretends to be nice. (laughs) And he would say to you, uh, you know, you can close that large deal you've been working on. You know what I'm talking about? You can really get ahead with your company. You can get that promotion you've been waiting for but you've been held back. I mean, listen, all you need to do is just compromise a little. I'm not asking you to do much, just a little bit. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. That's the easiest thing, isn't it? You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say anything. If you just go with your clients to the strip club, because that's where businesses are conducted, it's not much of a price. If you just loosen up on your bookkeeping activities, I mean, cook the books, not by much, just by a little bit. Keep your mouth shut about what your parents taught you to be a sin and wrong and all this stuff. Whatever is offering you is not much of an offer. Trust me, it's not much of an offer. Why? Because if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, one day you're going to reign and rule with Him over the universe. It's all yours anyway, but not now. Not now. He always always makes you promises, but he never lets you see the details. Devil will never want you to read the fine prints. <laughs> he promised Eve, 
Girl, if you eat from this forbidden fruit, you're not going to die. Girl, listen to me. He said, you're going to be a god. Perhaps there is no man in the Bible, in the whole Bible, who's been held up as example of faith like Abraham. Just think with me. Every time you see in the news an act of terrorism, an act of atrocities, every time you read in the news, you see in the news some terrorist acts, some beheading of Christians, all of these things that are happening, they all go back to a time when this great man of faith got tempted not to wait on God's timing. See, God made Abraham a promise. Abraham, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be born of old Sarah, barren Sarah, that's it. So he waited. Then he waited. Then he waited some more. I have no doubt Satan showed up, maybe in one of the person of one of his workers. Abraham, don't you think you waited long enough? Why wait so long? <laughs> Abraham, Sarah is not getting any younger. <laughs> Sarah, it's not going to give you a baby. Come on now. This stuff is for young women, bearing children and giving birth. Look around you, Abraham. Everybody's doing it. And it's true. In the pagan culture, it was a custom that a concubine can give an heir to a man. Everybody's doing it. Abraham, look how pretty Hagar is. Look at her big brown Egyptian eyes. <laughs> uh, see, for a while, Abraham resisted. He resisted. No, God said to wait. God is going to provide supernaturally. God is giving me His Word, and God keeps His Word. No matter what and no matter how long it takes, God's timing is perfect. And he did wait for a while. Then waiting got a little bit too much. Unlike Jesus, Abraham gave in, and he stopped waiting and started taking matters into his own hands. And here we are, 4,000 years later, paying the price for his refusal to wait. You see, when we run ahead of the Lord and not wait for His timing, we don't only hurt ourselves, we hurt everybody around us. And may God for generations. Here's something that you must never forget. Regardless of how attractive Satan's offer may be, it's always a counterfeit. Always a counterfeit. Never the real thing. Always an imitation. Only God can give you the real thing. Huh. But you can be sure that Satan's price appears to be very small. And then when you get into it, you pay through the nose. You pay with your life at times. You pay dearly. Oh, he will come and whisper, you want prosperity? I'll give you prosperity, and I'll give it to you faster, and I'll give it to you sooner, and it's a whole lot cheaper. Just wink at that thing that your parents taught you growing up as a sin. Don't be prude. <laughs> Prudish people never succeed in this life. After all, look at all these people. They're all doing it. Surely they can't all be wrong. 
They told Bishop Athanasius, the man who fought heretics in the entire period of the 300s, they said, Athanasius, he said, the whole world against you. He said, good, I'm against the whole world. (laughs) Here's something you can take to the bank, literally. You know for sure it's from the devil if it goes something like this. The end justifies the means. Did you get that? The end justifies the means. Question, what was Satan asking Jesus when he said to him, I'll give you the whole thing, just bow to me, just bow to me? He was basically trying to get Jesus to sell his soul to the devil. Did you get that? I know it's strong words, but that's true. Trust me. See, Satan wanted Jesus to sell his soul to get what is already his. Had Jesus fallen for this third temptation, he would have been disqualified to be the king of kings and the savior of the world. He would have reversed the very cry of the mob at the cross because their cry was, you saved many, he saved many, now let him save himself. At that point, Satan would have cried out and he said, ah, he saved himself. He can't save any. But what would have happened is this. Listen carefully. Instead of being the redeemer of the world, he would have joined the world. Instead of being an inheritor of the universe, he would have lost it all. The very Christ would have become the Antichrist. The very Lamb of God would have become the beast. Like the other temptations, Jesus quotes the infallible Word of God, and he said to Satan, Be gone, Satan. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. I want to tell you something as I conclude. It's something of uttermost importance. There is not a single human being anywhere in the world, not a single human being, has ever lived or will ever live, who does not have a God. Even the people I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God. Yes, they do. They have a God called self. Everyone has a God. In Philippians 3.19, Paul said that there are some people whose God is their stomach, their appetite. That's their God. Jesus said in Matthew 6.2 that there are some whose God is money. That's their God. Whatever and whomever is your number one, that's your God. You can worship the one true God, or you can worship a substitute. The question is this. Is the Lord first and foremost in your life, in every aspect? Or are you often tempted to exchange Him for other things? Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget. Satan will always work overtime so that he may get you and me to exchange the one true God for the fake one, even for a short period of time. Why does Satan want to defeat a Christian? So that he constantly beat on him and beat on her. See, you call yourself a believer. Look at you. You can't even have victory. You can't even live in victory. Resisting Satan and telling him every time, Be gone, Satan. Or if you don't want to be polite as Jesus, 
and be like me, tell him, get lost. For I can promise you one thing. Every time you take the bait, even for a short period of time, you may not lose your salvation if you're a child of the living God, but you're going to lose your joy. You're going to lose your peace. Above all, you're going to lose your reward. And so say with the Apostle Paul, I pray at all times. Can you say all times? I pray at all times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. And that will always make you a winner like Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.